0: Warning, the following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos episode 3 titled Harmony of the Worlds. Uh, yet another fantastic, fantastic episode. Uh, this time dealing with uh the stars and the planets, uh, how humans view them, how they move in relation to Earth, and all of that. And like every episode of Cosmos, they break it down so beautifully. Carl Sagan does an amazing job. Of going through all this stuff. Uh, So, this episode begins with Carl Sagan doing an especially brutal (laughs) takedown of astrology. Like, just unforgiving. Like, just brutal. Like, no mercy. He's just going through, like, everything about astrology, and it's like, here's here's two newspapers uh, from the same city on the same day, and look at their predictions. They are widely different from one another, so they can't agree with each other, and their quote-unquote predictions are super vague. It could apply to anybody at any time. Uh, Historically, uh, astrologers were uh, employed by the state because... uh, God forbid anyone predict the fall of an empire. And if you have inaccurate predictions, you're executed. So you have to go back and change records so you seem right. Uh, so there's a lot of fraud in astrology. And also, how does that even work? How do the positions of the planets and the stars affect anything on Earth? Uh, how does, like, Mars's orbit affect... Me, if I'm born as a baby, how do you account for twins who live wildly different lives? Like, one dies in childhood, the other, uh, lives to be an old man, uh, how do you, like, (laughs) how does this even work? It doesn't even make sense, uh, if everything's just on a set path... Why bother to change anything? And it's just like, at a certain point, (laughs) it's so good. At a certain point, I I just started yelling at the screen, Stop! Stop! He's already dead! (laughs) Like, Carl Sagan. Brutal. Brutal, 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 brutal takedown of astrology and it is amazing i love just watching carl sagan with that smirk on his face just metaphorically stabbing the entire idea of astrology repeatedly in the back over and over and over and over and over over again (laughs) just without remorse (laughs) I love it. It's so good. It's so, it's so great. And so after we get done with the BS of astrology that Carl Sagan takes down beautifully, we immediately transition into talking about actual science. And uh, we sort of look at the constellations and there's this great bit where Carl Sagan just points to the Big Dipper, the most recognizable constellation ever, anyone in North America knows, Big Dipper, that's the Big Dipper, that's the Big Dipper, Uh, anyone in North America present day knows, Big Dipper, Big Dipper, Big Dipper. And then he goes like, okay, that constellation you've heard of a million times, here are 7 billion other names from different civilizations at different points in history, and here's how they perceived it. And it's sort of this, like, beautiful way to look at just, like, no, there's no, like, the stars aren't, like, manipulating themselves into these pictures, like, humans are pattern-perceiving Creatures, and we look up and we see patterns. We see things that resonate with us. When we see like just seven random stars, we in our weirdo brains uh, link them together and see Big Dipper, or we see all these other seven bajillion pictures. Uh, And that is like a beautifully crafted sequence of just like, hey, we have constellations, they're useful we made them up <laughs> we made up the idea of constellations they're useful in uh like sort of examining the stars and sort of examining the night sky and having these landmarks but like we made up the idea that we had these like pictures being formed that's not a real thing uh we see these like cool monuments uh from various civilizations in the past basically dedicated to essentially having this calendar of the seasons, like entire temples devoted to having sunlight shine through an exact window on an exact place on the longest day of the year, sort of signaling the change of a season. Um, and we see these monuments, we see these uh things that civilizations built and how they use the sky to sort of Help them knowing, like, when to hunt, uh, when to harvest crops, like, when to, uh, move on if they're a nomadic society, blah, 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 uh, and we see how that, like, these very, very old cultures used that very, very well. And then we get into planets. And this is where the episode becomes really fantastic in my mind. Uh, cause we start off and we see, like, the old, 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 and very, very wrong thought of the Earth is the center of the universe. Everything orbits around the Earth. We see the geocentric model uh, of Ptolemy. And we see that in action. Carl Sagan has, like, a model of it that's just going round and round and round. And then we see the Copernicus model, uh, the heliocentric, of everything moves around the Sun. And... We see that in action, and we see the two side-by-side-by-side, by side by side, uh, and it it's a really, really cool visual that Carl Sagan guides us through well. And then, the vast majority of this episode is spent on the story of Kepler, who discovered these laws of planetary motion. Now, average documentary would probably just say, okay, we just have to say there was a dude named Kepler and he figured out laws of planetary motion. That's the minimum we have to do. That's all we have to say. That's it. Uh, No need to go more than that. But, But Carl Sagan, because he is such an effective science communicator and such an effective storyteller, he... Goes so far beyond that. And basically takes us through this entire biography of Kepler's life. Like, from when he was a child, uh, in this, like, very, very oppressively religious society, uh, trying to make sense of the world, wanting to find an exact order to the universe, wanting to understand God's plan, quote-unquote... Uh, to when he was growing up, and became an academic, became a scientist, and started, like, sort of unearthing uh, all of these different pieces of the universe, sort of started to study and become obsessed, quite honestly, with the motions of the planets. Uh, His very, very wrong theory that the planetary orbits fit into these, like, five perfect shapes, and that just got proven wrong after a while, uh, and him trying to make that theory work and not being able to figure it out, not being able to get it to work, uh, him sort of feverishly going throughout the world, uh, trying to get more data, trying to get more data from which to work off of, uh, to make these more informed observations, all the while getting exiled Uh, From country to country to country to country to country to country to country. Finally finding the one guy who has the more precise data, and then his disagreements with that dude, uh, his problems with that dude, eventually getting the data, and then painstakingly going in uh, and taking this data and trying all these different theories, trying all these different experiments to sort of make it make sense, essentially. Like, just going through and systematically trying to say, like, okay, does the data work it for this? Does it work for this? Does it work for this? Like, does it make sense if this is the reason? Like, what is the reason for this data? And then eventually, uh, hitting upon elliptical orbits. Hitting on the idea that planets move in an ellipse, with the sun as a focal point. And it just move The planets just move all around in that pattern. Uh, when they're further away, they move slower. When they're closer to the sun, they move faster. Uh, planetary speed is basically determined by these, like, separate wedges. All of which have, like, the exact same area. Uh, and so it just works in that way, uh, and then the planets are in all these different, increasingly larger orbits, and as the orbits get larger, the motion gets slower, cause they're further away, basically, uh, the beginnings of understanding gravity, um, we get to that big discovery, and then we see a little bit of his life afterwards, uh, apparently his mother got, uh, arrested under suspicion of witchcraft, Uh, Apparently he wrote a science fiction story and all that. Like, getting into all these little things in Kepler's life. And it is so compelling! Carl Sagan tells this story in such a compelling, such a rich, and such an engaging way where you actually care about Kepler as a person. Kepler's not just some random name. That you assign to, oh, he discovered this thing, yada, yada, yada. Like, the way Carl Sagan does it, like, you actually care about him as a person. You're actually invested in his story. You're actually invested in what he did and how he did it and where he ended up in his life. uh And it kind of doubles down on this idea that Cosmos as I've sort of mentioned already, it's not just an educational series. It's not just an info dump. Like, it is a celebration of the entire idea of knowledge, the entire pursuit of knowledge. And in telling Kepler's entire story from beginning to end, uh, from childhood to past his biggest discovery, it sort of gives you this... This jolt of exhilaration from just the idea of pursuing knowledge, from the idea of pursuing science. Um, It's so effective. It's so well done. Uh, And that whole sequence is so perfect. And I'm very happy that that, like, ended up, again, being most of the episode. Like, the vast majority of the episode is devoted to Kepler's story. And it works way better, whereas if Carl Sagan just said, There was a guy named Kepler. He figured out how planets move. Let's move on to some other concept. Like, it's just, like, it's so much more effective, and it works so much better, and it makes for a, a much more exquisitely crafted doc. Honestly, if there is not a biopic about Kepler, there should be. Hold on. Let me, let me look this up. Is... They're a Kepler biopic. Oh, shit! There might be! Johann Kepler is a 1974 East German historical drama film directed by Frank Vogel and starring Raymar J. Bauer... Trude Beckman and Kurt Bo It is a biopic of the German astronomer and mathematician Johann Kepler huh okay I'm just gonna go ahead and add that to the television archive supplemental uh list I'm gonna go ahead and add that to that hopefully I can track that down and it's like hold on let's go to just watch this is a big trans uh, this is a big uh huge tangent, there's the word. I know, but like I kind of need to know if this is okay. If this is streaming somewhere, we might have a television archive supplemental on our hands at some point in the future, Johan Kepler. Damn it. it, it is not showing on, uh, on, uh, fucking Just Watch It All, although there is something else called Kepler's, I'm not sure if that's also about Johann Kepler, Kepler is a cop who suffers, yep, nope, that's a different thing, that's a very different thing, is there, is there a DVD or a Blu-ray? Probably not. But it can't hurt to check. Johan Kepler film. See if it's uh, available on DVD or... No! It's not! Damn it! Well, a biopic exists. <laughs> you can't find it anywhere, but it exists. Someone should make something in the modern day. Like, cause, cause his story is so fascinating. I don't know. What? hopefully... Hopefully some uh, beautiful, beautiful man or woman... Uh, creates a film about Kepler, because I think that, if this episode of Cosmos proves anything, it's that his story is fascinating. Uh, but anyway, and very, very compelling. Uh, but yeah, point is, this episode's great. This episode is amazing, and I love it, and it's another brilliant installment in a brilliant, brilliant documentary. Uh, All right, if you like this Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash Archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a pushable button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, tomtom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge dollar a month. I appreciate everything you get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 4. Talk to you then.